And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. Uh, you know, Aaron, we watch Star Trek on Star Trek stories. Um, occasionally. And, occasionally. Um, and Star Trek has a very egalitarian view of the future. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about this the other day. They also, it's inter- there's an interesting kind of juxt- juxtaposition here because um, we also see this kind of egalitarianism through the lens of a military-ish hierarchy and command structure. Kind of an interesting little... Um, juxtaposition. Um, and it's got me thinking, and I, I'm going to use this term broadly. Um, but my question is, is authoritarianism ever justified? You know, when speaking in broad strokes, generally, I think most systems that we've created actually look good on paper. It's, it's human error and greed and fear that comes into play. Mm. and corruptibility mm. that wrecks it all mm. 100% of the time. It's the failings of the human heart. Yeah, it doesn't matter what system you use. Mm. That's the downfall. Fascism, fine. You know, just <laughs> the fa- the failings of the human heart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, maybe, maybe some uh, uh, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. <laughs> Communism. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, and th- we'll certainly be getting into it in this one. Um, I, w- I would say from a general political thing, I would like, mm, I don't know. But once once that scope gets a little smaller, then it gets more interesting. So, um, yeah, I'll be curious what we-, we all think on today's episode of Star Trek Stories. Mm, they might have a thing or two to say. About they might have a thing or two uh, to say. Um, this is episode 47, Chain of Command, part one. I am your autocratic host, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my imperious co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Joan. Hello to all you masses out there. <laughs> Give us your tax money. Um, we needed to build the roads. <laughs> um, yes, thank you for tuning in, everyone. Um, we are just about finished with our look at the TNG Glory Years. Um, last time we watched True Q... Um, where our good friend Jake Barnes came on and we talked about what it truly means to be Q, um, whatever that means. Um, and uh, this week we have another returning guest on the show with us, uh, sitting in the captain's chair once again, we have the very lovely Ella Marie Lois on the show. Hello, Ellen. Thank you for having me back, even after I ruined the mics. <laughs> uh, yes, radio host, Ellen. <laughs> Um, Ellen, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing wonderful. Thank you. Um, yeah, how are you today on this chilly Sunday evening? I'm doing lovely. Yeah, for those of you who haven't listened before, who are new to the show, um, Ellen is one of my good friends. Um, and they have been here getting a little taste of every season of Next Gen with us, um, having not really seen much of Star Trek before. Um, and this is going to be our little selection from season six the penultimate season of the series um last time you were here we watched the first duty which is when um our beloved wesley crusher accidentally got one of his um classmates killed oops tough we were we were all doing like air quotes when he said beloved off screen just so you know (laughs) not 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 actually but we are now (laughs) Uh, wait someone in our discord when they heard that they were like beloved <laughs> sure Jan I'm not sure if Wesley's beloved um 
Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, speaking of characters, um, Ellen, uh, one of the things Star Trek fans like to do is to talk about their favorite characters in the franchise. Um, and, you know, you've mentioned having some pop culture knowledge of some of these characters before we started watching it on some level. And so you've talked about how part of the fun thing of watching the show is now actually getting to see who these characters actually are that you've, it's like, I know, yeah, there's kind of Jordy and there's Crusher and there's um, Captain Picard. Um, so I'm curious now that we've kind of, we're getting, you know, getting toward the end of our little chunk of episodes. Um, I'm curious, um, have there been any characters that you have kind of latched onto as we've been watching or that you find interesting or compelling? Um, she hasn't really been as central in many of the episodes that we've watched, but actually probably a few months before um, you all invited me to come on for the first time. I think I may have mentioned this in another episode, but there's um, this quiz online that's like statistically which character are you from any piece of media. There's thousands of possibilities and it. it's a pretty in-depth quiz, but uh, one of the first times I took it, I got Troy and I was like, cool, I don't really know a lot about this character, but Slay, I guess. And um, now that I'm kind of getting to know that character a little bit better, it's been, uh, I've really liked seeing like which traits I share with this character and like kind of having a little bit more of a connection to that to be like, okay, this was like a really nice answer to get. Like, it's not like when one of my friends got Alan from The Hangover and was she was really upset about that. Uh, <laughs> like what nice, like flattering one to get, but also like being able to actually see like which traits we do have in common has been really interesting to see unfold. Um, I've also really liked getting to know Data more. Of course, of course. Um, We've some... had some like uh, day in the limelight episodes with him while I've been yeah. here. Yeah, it's hard not to just because he kind he he gets so many of the most interesting episodes just mm -hmm. because the nature of his character is interesting. This android who wants to be human, so it's kind of hard not to have data episodes. Uh, I I really like the uh, perspective that like his character adds to episodes where he is a really central part of the story. Mm -hmm. um, no, uh, not, not Picard though. I, I was wondering like, is she gonna oh, say? A lot I I do really like Picard, <laughs> but I feel like it was one of those things. I was like, I'm sure everyone says um, it. It's Obvious. like when you ask someone who their favorite Muppet is and they'll say Kermit. Not Kermit. because like Kermit is a great Muppet, but a lot of people, it's just like the one they remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I know Kermit. I like him. <laughs> it's like, we all love Kermit. What else? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, we haven't had too much Troy-centric. We did get Menage a Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Very iconic. Um, uh, she doesn't have like a huge part in this one, but she, I mean, she, she'll definitely have a part in what we watch today. And it is, it is a two-parter and the whole cast gets used, I think, pretty well in, the, in this. Though this will end up being pretty Picard heavy. Um, this is a pretty much a Patrick Stewart tour de force is what this will end up. Oh, I'm like. leaving. Just kidding. No, I do. <gasps> I do really like Picard. <laughs> Um, I, I just felt like it really went without saying, you know? And, and of course, uh, shout out to <laughs> Patrick Stewart. Is friend, friend of the cast. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and because uh, also, because um, we've been watching like a few episodes, like we've been watching lots of Next Gen. We've had lots of people coming on to talk about it, but we've definitely had you on a bunch of times and we we're kind of seeing how the show evolves. We've also had our good friend uh, Jake on several times watching a bunch of episodes with us. And we were talking about the cast and like how they've grown and changed. And one of the things we're kind of talk about it is, and what some fans talk about is like one, of, cause this is usually if 
this is often heralded as the best Star Trek show. And one of the reasons most people point to is that the characters being the strongest point of the show, just based on what you've seen so far, would you agree that it's the characters that makes the show? Or what would you say? I I would say like the characters really do make the show because I feel like, you know, no matter how incredible like a storyline is, like you need characters that are going to be the heart of that story to carry it forward. Mm. Um, also, just even with some of the episodes that we've seen together that um, you have said are ones that are kind of considered like a little bit goofier or like ones that people kind of enjoy a little bit more ironically or maybe aren't even very popular episodes. Um, I feel like you can still find a lot of enjoyment in them because of this great ensemble that we have. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, Menage of Troy is not going to win any awards, but we got Captain Picard. A whole meme has come from that episode, <laughs> beckoning to the screen. It's a very memingful episode. <laughs> yes, a memingful episode. Of course. Um, uh, changing it up a little bit, you know, and going to our question from earlier, um, you know, what what are your thoughts? Is I mean, I know you, you're also on board with me as being a pretty hardcore leftist. And I'm, you know, again, and not, and speaking somewhat broadly with the term, not as like an actual political system, but uh, do you, do you think that authoritarianism is ever justified in any circumstance or a more authoritarian approach to problems? I, I feel like I kind of have a similar perspective to what we've said before, where like the idea of having like someone in a place of authority, like often does come from really good intentions. And there are a lot of times like really positive like authority figures like you know like teachers um uh for a lot of people parents not everybody i know not everyone has a great relationship with their parents but Mm -hmm. there are these places where people do have a place of authority where they are in a place of authority to actually assist you and actually do deliver on that i do feel that however there are a lot of places where we have the intent of giving people authority and uh, the idea that it is within the best interest for other people, but it doesn't often actually pan out that way because of the level of power that people Mm. are given. And this isn't necessarily just with like, you know, high level political authority figures. Like it can be seen in like smaller instances as well. Um, or in more localized instances. Sure, I mean, like I just... not not to vague post about cops, but <laughs> <laughs> the police. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. I actually just got done watching um, Tar the other day with Kate Blanchett, and definitely goes, oh, goes you into, finally saw it. Definitely ah! goes into some of that. You know, like she's very much in a position of authority and. You know, that's some of where her genius is, is just how she's able to cut through and bring this music out of the symphony. But then, of course, that, you know, she kind of loses herself in that power and, you know, Mm kind of goes off the deep end. So especially with like a lot of people who um, become her mentees Mm -hmm. with. Yeah. With. Yeah. That's probably one of the most interesting things to always be aware of. It's like, yeah, authority maybe isn't necessarily in itself a problem and is even required. Like you say, you bring the teachers are a really good example. It's like having a democratic classroom would be chaos. Um, however, Especially like, I don't know, like in kindergarten, if we had like a democratic kindergarten classroom, my ass would not have been learning no. math or nonsense. early science skills. What do you think we should do today, class? Right, nonsense. Um, Color and recess. <laughs> right. 
Bring out the movie cart. <laughs> yeah, in a situation like that, like yeah, you you authority is going to be very paramount. Um, but it's always the context of you know who who is this authority being used for or against, and like you know those who are being affected by the power. You always have to keep in context, and you know who who this is being used for and why. Um, hmm. Well, um, this episode is certainly going to get into some of that. Um, um, and this actually is a two-parter, and this whole two-parter actually will be getting into it on some level. Um, yes, uh, as mentioned before, we are watching Chain of Command Part 1 um, today. Um, this premiered December 14th, 1992. This is the 10th episode produced for the sixth season, uh, which kind of puts it around the middle of the pack for the season. Um, yeah, so TNG is known for being pretty episodic. Most of what we've watched so far has been pretty episodic, but the show is also known for the occasional epic two-parter. Um, and um, it's appropriate that we kind of start to close out this batch of episodes with one of those epic two-parters. Um, yeah, and during this batch of episodes, we have been introduced to a new recurring adversary, um, the Cardassians. Um, oh, yeah, just like in real life. The Cardassians. Um, Cardassians, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Cardassians, um, um, for those who don't know, are essentially space fascists who are constantly having border disputes with the Federation. Uh, we've had a few sketchy close calls with them um, in some of our last few episodes, but in this two-parter is kind of when things kind of come to a head with them. Um, and this two-parter also sets up the Cardassians as they appear in the soon-to-be-released spinoff Deep Space Nine, where they are the primary antagonist of that particular show. So it's not called Keeping Up with the Cardassians? Oh, they, 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 it was the alternative title, but... <laughs> really missed opportunity there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that'll be a one thing we kind of look at in this one is, you know, how effective they are at being Star Trek adversaries. Um, all right. Um, for those of you at home who are going to be watching along with us, this is your invitation to watch. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can find it by bringing up Season 6, Episode 10, and we will be back after we watch Chain of Command Part 1.
Well, the Enterprise will be monitoring your channel just in case you do need to transmit a signal. Bridge to Captain Jellico. We've arrived at the shuttle departure coordinates. Did you launch the probe I requested? Yes, sir. I wasn't aware you wanted to be informed. Thank you. Jellico out. I can see why he's still only a first officer. Captain, I would just like you to know that Commander Riker... I've read your reports, Jean-Luc. I know you think highly of him. It's not just my opinion. He's been decorated by Starfleet Command five times. He's been offered his own ship more than once. I think if you just gave him a chance, you would find him an outstanding officer. Jean-Luc, let's be candid for a moment. The Cardassians aren't going to listen to reason, and the Federation isn't going to give in to their demands. And the chances are you won't be coming back from this mission of yours. I want this ship ready for action, and I don't have time to give Will Riker or anyone else a chance. And forgive me for being blunt, but the Enterprise is mine now. Right, we just got done watching Chain of Command Part One. Um, in case you didn't watch this one, haven't seen it before. So in this one, um, basically uh, Admiral Necheyev shows up and relieves Captain Picard of command of the Enterprise. Um, and then basically, what's happening is the Cardassians are mounting or like they're mustering their forces on their side of the border. Um, so they bring in a new captain for the Enterprise who has previously dealt with the Cardassians and had like helped negotiate the armistice they are currently under. Um, and he takes command of the ship and takes the Enterprise to go deal with the Cardassians. Um, captain Jellico, he is a bit of a hard ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, very by the book. And yeah, uh, instead of saying make it so like Picard, his is get it done. Um, get her done get her done um doesn't make any time for making friends or anything he's kind of a dick like there are just a few times where he's just like unnecessarily addicted to people 
Um, and so they start having negotiations with the Cardassians. The crew doesn't know how to feel about them. Um, meanwhile, Captain Picard, Mr. Worf, and Dr. Crusher have been assigned on a secret mission to infiltrate a secret Cardassian base because they think the Cardassians are going to be building a secret weapon. Turns out that uh, once they get there, there is no secret weapon. This whole thing was an elaborate scheme to get Captain Picard there. Um, and he gets captured by the Cardassians, and that's basically where the episode ends, um, leading into part two, of course. Um, we always start with initial thoughts. Ellen, initial thoughts coming on off of Chain of Command part one. One thing that I've been thinking about with um, the new captain who's been introduced, Je- Captain, Jellico, if you want to say yeah. Jellicle, <laughs> I know that's not right. I know that's the, the cats from Cats. <laughs> Jellico, uh, captain Cap- Jellico. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, there's like a level to this episode that feels more apparent in some of the others I've seen of like, uh, like workplace dynamics where like, you know, like there's this level of like, you know, science fiction and um, like the tropes of that genre, but that, you know, like more so that these are everyone's jobs day to day. And uh, this is like just when you get like a really shitty manager at a job. Like, <laughs> I feel like everyone is very like micromanaged. Like I made the joke at one point when uh uh, when Troy comes to speak to him about the uncertainty that a lot of the people on the crew are feeling um, during this transition, uh, where Jellico's basically like, well, you're in charge of morale now of just being like, oh, what about like a space pizza party? <laughs> like The work mandated fun right? pizza party. <laughs> see, we're there's not, no problems. We we're not going to pay you better or... D- <laughs> Or look into our management style in any way, but we're gonna go order some dominoes. <laughs> Here's a problem. Well, now that is a you problem. Have <laughs> <laughs> fun. No additional resources. Yeah, I mean that is kind of essentially what this episode is. Um, part two does kind of changes kind of what it's about, even though it still continues this whole plot line with the other captain. But this one is much more concerned with him coming over and like, you're right. This is. <laughs> I think you've talked about before. It's like it's always fun to see like Star Trek plug in different storylines or classic TV tropes, and this is right. Oh, the new shitty boss is in town, and <laughs> what can we do to get rid of him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what this is. Um, Aaron, initial thoughts coming on off of Chain of Command Part One. Uh, I feel like the episode kind of starts like twenty minutes in, mm. you know, around the time when we get introduced to the Cardassians. Mm. it's like all right now we get going and then you know uh the next scene is with the team in the cave yeah uh where all the shenanigans go down mm-hmm. pretty good cave laser tag scene <laughs> <laughs> pew pew sparks on the rock wow oh. that's really good <laughs> um yeah this is kind of like a slow one uh i will say um part of it is this whole episode is set up um yeah and because originally this was supposed to be just one single episode uh and they turned it into two more for financial reasons just because it's like they were already over budget for the season and they need to get costs down they're like look we have this kind of big epic plot with the cardassians how about we turn this one into like a two-parter and then really kind of because actually the meat and potatoes of what this episode is 
is part two, which we haven't which we haven't watched yet. So this is like a Kill Bill approach to <laughs> volume yeah. one. Yes. Yeah, Chain of Command volume one. Chain of got, Command the whole know. bloody affair. <laughs> um, so they're like, yeah, we can flesh out this captain who's coming in. We can kind of set up the situation with the Cardassian. So, yeah, I, I think when you say like, yeah, it kind of feels like the episode kind of starts once the Cardassians get there. I think some of that is like they take this episode that was going to be one and extend it into two. I'm sure maybe when it was on TV, this always comes up with like the, the idea of Picard stepping down as captain of the enterprise is a much bigger deal. Oh yeah. Watching that week to week. Like, Oh oh my God, what's going on? I remember when this first came on, we were actually at a family Christmas party and, but like my dad, my uncle, they're like, Oh, there's a new Star Trek on. And so like, they snuck downstairs to watch it when it was coming on. And so I snuck down there to watch it with them. And it was actually, that, I take it back. That was actually for part two, but for part one, I, I remember the whole beginning. It's like, wait, no, Captain Picard. Like, are you insane? Why would you ever get rid of him? The what is best he doing? captain ever. <laughs> Why isn't he arguing? Yeah. Um, it is really interesting to see though, just how much the dynamic changes when this other guy steps in and, and, you know, we always talk about how amazing Picard is and it's just incredible. You know, you always like the person at the top sets the tone, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's incredible how much more tense and uncomfortable everyone is. They even put Troy in a uniform now. Can you believe it? (laughs) (laughs) I want her gymnast outfit back. Captain. It's not fair. Yeah. um, This it's always interesting to this. The most interesting aspect of this one is just seeing how different the the workplace dynamics are. Like all the other stuff is kind of interesting, but it's cl- the most interesting aspect is him showing up and kind of shaking things up. Um, and I guess that's where we can kind of start with this one. Um, cause, cause Captain Jellico, I would say is probably the big thing to talk about in this one. Um, I don't know what's our what is our so Jellico and this episode is actually somewhat controversial in the fan base um, in the years that it's come out. Um, how so? I I would I would just I would think that there would just uniformly be kind of universally the same opinion about him that he kind of sucks. As, as so as time has gone on, there's been a lot more like. People, fans online kind of saying, is Jellico really that bad? And is it more of a failure of the crew failing to adapt to a like a wartime scenario more so than it is Jellico being a bad captain? And so there's now a lot more of like a discussion about like, what's the what's like is he just is he just awful or is the crew not quite understanding the situation and they're just kind of used to Picard and everything I I don't know if that's necessarily the case just from my own perception obviously like I may not have I probably don't have as much insight as people who are more versed in the lore but I feel like even in dire situations, like being able to develop a relationship of mutual respect is incredibly important. And I feel like um, just from experiences I've had in my own workplaces, um, I feel like there can be like a tendency to 
expect very formal treatment from people to really have like a hand in someone else's duties in a way that is frankly micromanaging often comes from I feel like people who are in places of uh, like leadership or management that are very insecure within their position. And I feel like it's not a very effective way to manage a group of people, whether it's wartime or not. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, sure, like these, they're not adjusting well to having a new captain on the ship, but I don't feel like he's doing much to aid in that transition. Mm-hmm. Indeed. He had a great opportunity to make the crew feel heard and listened to with their personnel problems that they brought to Troy and to Riker. And he just, he shot it down completely. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm kind of split on, on kind of Jellico. Um, I think on some level, like, especially if they're like preparing for potential conflict on some level, it is appropriate to kind of like, we got to get the ship ready. We got to be, you know, like potent- we, we could be in a potential wartime scenario at any point. We got to be prepared. So I think on, on some on some level, like what he's asking of the crew isn't all that much. Um, I, I think it's the how of it mostly. Yes. Yeah. Because there are parts where where it's like. Like when there's there so there are some times where I'm like I'm I feel like I'm more on Jellico's side and then there's sometimes I feel like I'm more on the crew side. Like initially when he's like, um, I we're, we need to switch to a four shift rotation, blah blah blah. And then like when Riker's like, hey, like my people told me we're like we're gonna have a lot of personnel problems. He's like, look, we j- we we. And there was a couple times like, well, if we do that, we'll have to shut down the science labs. And he's like, we're not on a research mission, like shut it down do this i'm like okay that's that's totally fair they're totally used to kind of how things have been and they're really kind of struggling to adapt to it but then there are times where he's just unnecessarily antagonistic to everyone where i'm like it's one thing to expect a lot and jordy like jordy says like i don't mind hard work but like he's not giving us any any time to do this and then like when Troy comes to him with like the legit concerns, like, Hey, the crew's struggling with this. Like, he's like, thanks for bringing this to my attention, but I don't have time for a honeymoon with the crew. It's like, well, you don't have to go on a honeymoon, but like, just let them know. It's like, at the very least it's like, Hey, we're going to a dangerous situation. Let's all make sure like just something on the line of like, we all need to step up and do this together. And it's not going to be easy. Not even that much. Just like, so they're like, okay, but he's just like, fix it. I don't have time for this fucking shit. Trying to figure out what an elephant looks like. Right. As he's just spending his time, you know, dressing up his quarters, get the fish out of my, you know, and <laughs> put up my little kids' drawings and get this get, book get out Get some of nice here. little frames for them. <laughs> i got to make my presence known. I read it in Donald Trump's biography. <laughs> <laughs> I read the art of the deal. And it's informed on my captain. <laughs> decisions and like the the scene where he's talking with picard before the mission (laughs) where he's like and frankly picard's and picard's like hey dude if you just give him a chance Riker's awesome like he's like i don't have time to give him a chance and then he's like and forgive me and he's like 
you probably won't be coming back from this mission. And forgive me for being blunt, but Enterprise is mine. It's like, well, that's not. Why are you being so antagonistic in this? Some of you may die, but that's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Farquaad. He is he's very Farquaadish. Even his haircut. He's got a little bit of the the swoop going on. The swoop. <laughs> uh we should note this is played by noted character actor Ronnie Cox. He's probably for me, he'll always be the guy from Robocop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um You you pointed out, um, Ellen, and you know, and th- this kind of goes into some of our conversation from earlier about like you know authoritarianism or this kind of authoritarian approach. It's like I don't think, generally speaking, what he's asking the crew is too much. However, but then going to the approach, I mean, you said you you started bringing up like the insecurities, and there's that little scene between Riker and Troy where he's like, well, "I'll say this: you sure of himself?" And she's like. No, he's not. Nor. Nor. No. So on, <laughs> on, it seems to be on some level he's like compensating or he, there's some insecurities. And this kind of goes into some of the trouble with, I think, authority where it's like clearly this guy seems to believe that what's needed right now is I need to take this authoritative approach. But he, he, on which is fine on on its own level, but he's clearly kind of lost himself a bit. In the power of it all. Definitely. Um, Especially coming from, uh, like, just kind of this transition with, like, you know, replacing someone who has a very different philosophy, but is someone who is very celebrated, who's very decorated, who's very beloved. Um, Like, they're big shoes to fill. Yeah. You know, to be fair, I guess when we first see Picard in like the first episode in the early in the early episodes, he is kind of a hard ass and is kind of a dick. Like, not not to this extent, though. But not to this ex- <laughs> but not to this extent. He's just a cold fish more than anything, right? Mm. Very rigid. What do you guys think? I mean, we haven't seen the resolution of this, but I mean. I haven't seen the resolution you, uh, of this. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, you have. Y'all, y'all have. Um, I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, <laughs> spoilers. It's classic. Um, what's the feeling? Uh, in addition to Jellico with the crew, what's the feeling on Jellico's uh, um, s- tactics with the Cardassians? <laughs> is that is because he's he's extremely antagonistic. In the things with the Cardassians, space racism, the, the space racism, um, spacism. Is, <laughs> is this another case where once again, like he's being unne- unnecessarily antagonistic? Is it potentially effective with them? I I feel that he's really doing these like kind of like art of the deal type things, like as you mentioned before, of him like storming out of the meeting and being like, "You tell them that I have decided." That I will perhaps meet with him again. Like, just all these things that feel like it's really, like, trying to be showy and not really based in any, like, kind of clear idea on how to effectively uh, negotiate, how to effectively um, forge relationships with other diplomats. Like, it's very, like, like... like the job interview I did in high school at an ice cream place where they were like, sell me this pen. Oh my God. Like shit like that, where it's like, just like this, like supposed to be a power play, but it's just like kind of embarrassing and pathetic. 
I got that at a at a job interview at like a theater. I was just going to be like a, Ugh. and they gave me this whole like, tell me this pen. I was like, what? Do you need a pen? Like, a, right. okay, Jordan. I, I thought this was Maggie Moose. Like, I thought this was like a Baskin Robbins. Sell me this pen. <laughs> Dude, I'm just going to be taking fucking tickets. Right. Like, oh, I'm not selling any. People have already bought. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so it was like an ice cream parlor. Like, if if I'm behind the counter at an ice cream parlor, somebody wants ice cream. They're already here for the ice cream. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sell me this pen. Go fuck Jesus. yourself. Right? <laughs> That's why I think you're fine. What's the commission if I sell this pen? Right. <laughs> what am I getting? Do you have a nicer pen? Because this is just like a bick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way I can sell this pen. Um, what do you think, Aaron? I mean, you're a little more versed in the Star Trek world. What do you think? Um, I mean, the Cardassians are famous for being also antagonistic yeah. and surreptitious. What do you What do you think about his approach with the Cardassians? From that perspective, he's he's kind of just meeting them head to head, knowing what I know about the Cardassians. But it's still early days, so it, he does come off aggressive, very aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and his uh, his power moves are such yeah, like art of the deal, like <laughs> classic power move. You offer him the terms, then you storm out of the meeting, <laughs> right? <laughs> mm. uh, and then you send your lackeys to come back in and negotiate. Mm. It's so funny. It's, it's like we've been talking about this whole time. And it is such like a '90s like corporate office vibe. I'm just oh, going to work every day. Totally, like, totally. Just wearing space jammies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. The 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 Looney Tunes movie. Space Space Jammies. Space Jam. <laughs> well, yeah. just in contrast, what's our feeling on? how the crew is dealing with all this uh, that's the flip side how do they come across in this and dealing with Jellico? um are, are they i mean clearly they're sympathetic but on are they on some level are they not meeting him as far as they could be are they being needlessly just like pushbacky against him what do you guys think mm. uh, when i was watching the episode i was very much on the crew side um sure. until yeah like what you've kind of brought up about maybe them not being as willing to adjust or meet him. Like, that's not really something that I thought of mostly. I was like, this guy sucks. I, I get this. <laughs> to be fair, he does suck. <laughs> <laughs> they do a good job of making him extremely unlikable. I mean, to be asked to like add another shift to your crew rotation with no additional personnel. So having to adjust your sleep schedule, your eating schedule, all that stuff. To Nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah, but... <laughs> There's all these jobs on the ship and no one's taking them. We're so understaffed. However, nobody's applying. Like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, because it's like, I don't know. It seems like on some level are like, are there no protocols for like, if they're going into wartime mode, you know, it's like, are there no protocols? It's like, okay, we're snapping into battle time. We all need to like, all all our science and exploration stuff is on pause. We just need to do this. And it doesn't seem like they're all that interested. I, on, there is part of me that kind of feels like the crew isn't, I, and I don't know if it's just Jellico just being so eh, about it, but on some level, the crew doesn't seem to be taking it as seriously as he is. They seem just a little more concerned about we want Captain Picard back. 
which is understandable. I should know we're, uh, we're watching it in the background. Just a little bit of trivia. This whole sequence was supposed to be a little mini crossover with Deep Space Nine. This was supposed to be, they were originally supposed to get Passage from Quark hmm. on Deep Space Nine. That was the, that was the original, in the script, how it was all written. But oh, that's so cool. Um, Deep Space Nine hadn't quite premiered yet. Um, <laughs> it actually premieres after this two parter. Huh. <laughs> Uh, so they're like, yeah, it hasn't quite premiered, so it's not really going to hit. So they changed it just um, last second. So it's just random Ferengi of the week. Oh, that would have paid long-term dividends, boys. You should have gone for it. That oh, would have been so cool. Every time I hear that, I'm like, no, it would have been so cool to see Quark. Um, we, I could, we should also talk about, um, in a weird way, the B plot is really the more important plot in terms of like the the. the the narrative, but the B plot is kind of Picard and Worf and Crusher going on their little secret mission, even though that's kind of the more important plot. Um, uh, what's their feelings on that? How does that work against like all the kind of workplace drama on <laughs> with Captain Jellico and the crew on the Enterprise? It's all very clean. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just kind of feels like uh, the office drama at night. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like it's kind of interesting. It doesn't seem anyone is as concerned about other members of their team being Mm -hmm. reassigned. Oh, yeah. Oh, Picard. Oh, yeah, Crusher and Worf. But Picard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's fine. Uh, It does kind of feel to me a little bit just kind of just getting to where they need to go. Yeah. Every, all their scenes are very much just them talking about the mission and what they need to do next and what they and do. There's not a lot of like and it, seducing a Ferengi. Yes, of course. <laughs> we, we would be remiss if we did not mention the. Oh my God! Just him trembling, just <laughs> just trying so hard not to be like the like the wolf from like the Max Fleischer cartoons, like eyes popping out of his head, like hitting a <laughs> table with like a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate tongue rolling all over the place. Yeah. That's really what the Ferengi are, is just giant neckbeards. <laughs> neckbeards. Erasing neckbeards. Yeah, with big ears. Um, I wonder if they could have found a little room to... Because there's so much... I mean, clearly all the stuff on the ship, at least for me, is more interesting just seeing like the tension and conflict between the new captain and the crew. And you get all these little scenes between the characters sometimes with Jellico, sometimes like the crew talking about Jellico and just how they're all feeling and they get all this kind of character interplay i wish they found a little more room for some interplay between like the three people going on the mission like it's mostly just them kind of doing their thing you get little moments now and then you're not afraid of heights are you doctor and she's like you're not afraid of bats are you wharf um I, it, it it seems like I wish there was just, I don't know. I don't, and I don't know what it would be, but just some kind of little character beats between them as they're on this kind of mission together. Um, and a much more da- in a much more dangerous situation than the other characters are. Um, yeah, but I, but then again, I don't know what that, what that would be though. Like, I mean, like there's only so much, clearly there's only so much room, but yeah, maybe if they had more time, they could have done, more dramatic things on the mission. Something. Like twists and turns, things gone wrong, encounters with the Cardassians. Just a lot of scenes of, you know, turning corners, walking on 
neatly raked <laughs> flat floors of dirt. Like some very square shaped rocks. We're going in circles. We've been here before. I I do think it's kind of funny, like the like the cat suits that they're wearing, like they're like burglar outfits, for lack of a better term, like look a lot more uh, like something from the present day than a lot of the costuming I've seen on the mm, show. Mm. Just kind of more of your standard special ops. Yeah. Kind of look. <laughs> yeah. But why don't they all have different colors? Right. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. They're just like the same colors, but all muted. Oh, they're the <laughs> really dark red and really dark blue. Or, <laughs> or even if like it was like drum. all black, like still having like kind of a similar sim- silhouette to this, like very mm. like futuristic but it's the late 80s early 90s kind of mm-hmm. aesthetic the show has established mm-hmm. um speaking of cat suits this is the episode that puts troy in a uniform basically for the first time and for the rest of the series she's basically in a uniform from this point on um and it's kind of an interesting little so like the the writer of the the writer of this episode or one of Ronald D Moore he'd been he'd been wanting to put Troy in a uniform for a while and actually Marina Sirtis also wanted to be in a uniform she always thought it was really like why am I wearing it, it's clearly like a a, a a bit of a like a sexualized thing like and she was like why do I always have to wear like the boob dress or the 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 off lavender onesie <laughs> um, and so they're like how about we have this guy show up and he puts you in a uniform and I, I I think it's awesome that they finally just put Troy in a uniform it's like look she's part of the crew just have her be and it, it starts a weird character thing for her because from this point on is when they actually finally start to figure Troy out and she becomes like a full-fledged Starfleet officer like six seasons in yeah we did it so six seasons in <laughs> they, it, they finally start to figure it out uh, <laughs> it's just so weird to me it's like they couldn't just have it be a decision she wants to do. They have to have it so this captain orders her to wear it. I'm like, can't you just have it so she wanted to, you know, I've been wearing this, but I want to take my Starfleet career. I don't know. Yeah, like, uh, just like a little bit more, like, autonomy in the decision. Right. Just because, like, the whole point she's not wearing the uniform is because the producers don't want her wearing it, you know? And yeah. then when she finally gets to wear it, again, it's because, like, it's a it's a fictional authority character who puts it on her, I'm like, why can't she just decide she wants to start wearing the like? Why? <laughs> what, we have to make a thing out of it. They have to make a whole thing out. I mean, I because g- you're taking away the boobies. <laughs> no, the boobies. No. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're wonderful boobies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just. I mean, and I guess it kind of. It's just another thing to put Captain Jellico on here and like, well, fuck you, Captain Jellico. Um, he also takes out the fishbowl. Jellico shows up and starts making all these changes, permanent changes on the show. So <laughs> Jellico, I, he's I like, feel like a it's utility kind of knife. Cowardly form. to like hide behind like uh, this captain that you're supposed to be like, I don't like this guy for like any decision they think there would be pushback against from like fans. Captain Jellico, cowardly, right, but we have to go with it. Cowardly but clever, they're surviving. They're like, ha ha, <laughs> a faint. Um. Like, don't blame us as riders. Blame Captain Jellico. Boo. Jellico, boo. <laughs> he sucks, right? No. Right. <laughs> just an interesting, weird little bit of behind-the-scenes trivia. They just use Jellico to make these little superficial I changes. I love it. <laughs> Permanent changes. It's, it's so weird. It's very silly. Um, 
Uh, and yeah, you did. You also mentioned uh, when we were watching um, Aaron. Yeah, this is the episode that finally like finalizes the look for the Cardassians. We've yeah. seen it a couple times before, but it's been very kind of. You can tell they haven't figured it, figured it out yet. They've had some work done. They've definitely had some work done. <laughs> the uniforms are very different now. That's basically the uniforms you see them in. This is this is Cardassians moving forward. They yeah, the neck ridges, the the, <laughs> the forehead thing. Yeah, the forehead spoon, the much more forehead spoon. Yeah, much more pronounced neck ridges. You can eat ramen Their with that spoon. Their asses are huge now for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Cardassians <Man>. be thick. <laughs> they all got ass. That's amazing. Good for them. Really pronounced uh, collarbones and um, booties. <laughs> Dummy uh, thick. <laughs> Major, you can't handle this, but don't, don't, don't. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Jelly co. Um, <laughs> yeah, interest. I mean, cl- yeah, clearly all bunch of setup. Um, I guess it's a fine enough episode on itself, but all the meat and potatoes comes in part two, which we will be getting to. All for all of you next week, but we're going to be watching that uh, real quick here. Um, before we do, um, any any final thoughts on Chain of Command Part One, Ellen? Not that I can think of really. Looking forward to starting. Uh, Courtney and Chloe take Picard. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> part two is very different. <laughs> no, what a vibe change. What a vibe, yeah. What a vibe change. Oh boy. <laughs> Um, but not till next week. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, final thoughts on Chain of Command Part 1. Oh, cannot wait to get to Part 2. Yeah, I know. Part 2 is where it all where it all happens. Um, yeah, it's always fine. It, and like I always, I don't know, it's the most interesting thing this episode has done. It's just interesting seeing some of the fan discourse now because I have seen fans passionately now defend Jellico. And say, like, Riker and crew are completely unprofessional in this episode. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'd go that far, but I definitely see some of the points. But to also say that Jellicoe's not an asshole, that say Riker's being the asshole, I'm like, I I, I think Jellicoe's somewhat justified in his actions, but his approach is still all wrong, and he's still a giant dick. <laughs> I wouldn't call the crew's actions unprofessional. They brought it through the proper channels. Up to the, the chain of command, like they're mm-hmm. supposed to do, right? Matt yeah. Troy broaches it with him in a very professional manner. Mm-hmm. Um, she does a lot of gentle parenting during that scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Riker is kind of... <laughs> almost every scene Riker has with Jellico, and Jellico steps away, they linger on some, like, Riker rolling right. his eyes or, like, like... Get a lot of this a... <laughs> guy. <laughs> every single time. Oh, I saw that. God. I saw that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was unprofessional. I'm sorry. Do you think maybe Jellico's actually secretly jealous that Riker is Riker's at this point is the guy who beat the board? Do you think jealous? jealous? Jellico hammering in that insecurity play with him. You know, yeah, everything he does, he's just lost in, like you said, the power grab and and his own insecurities. Just like the way too that he just like uh, when he's speaking to Picard, he just starts talking shit about him for like no reason. You can see why he's never. Right. Why he's still a first officer? It's like he, he has been offered his command multiple times. He just wants to be here. Like right. <laughs> that's fan behavior. Like. <laughs> even, even when he was like friendly about it with Riker in the first scene, so it's a bit of double talk, you know? Yeah, right? it's like, dude, I get why you want to stay. This ship's awesome. And then a few scenes later, I can see why you know he's only a first officer and still on the Enterprise. Oh, okay. You said that. You just said that was like 
fuck you, dude. Right. Also, like, on top of that, too, just, like, the way that he keeps cutting Riker off, like, the first time that they meet each other is, yeah. like, also... It's all power plays and, yeah. like, this kind of dominance thing. But, like, in that first scene, it's, like, that weird, friendly dominance. Hey, it's so good to see you. Hey, where's my... Yeah, right. See you. Bye. Like... <laughs> Oh, Toxic positivity um, into just full on so toxicity. I, yeah. I know the focus shifts next episode, but I'm really excited to see Riker sell us a pen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sell me this pen. <laughs> <laughs> scene where the famous scene of Star Trek Jellico comes to his quarters. Sell me this pen, Will. <laughs> Coffee's for closers, Riker. <laughs> <laughs> Do me a favor. Write something down. <laughs> I can't. I don't have a pen. I, I don't have a pen. Um... All right. Um, well, um, thank you, Alan, for coming on and watching Chain of Command Part 1. Um, hopefully we'll back you on sometime very soon. Oh, I wonder when. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. <laughs> How do you guys uh, feel about you so some much, uh, pizza? Something? Yeah, pizza. Um, yeah, thank you all at home for listening. We hope you enjoyed our coverage of Chain of Command Part 1. Um Next week, we're going to be bringing this whole batch of episodes to a close with Chain of Command Part 2. Wow. Um, yes, and Ellen will once again be back on with us. Awesome. And we'll let you all know how we feel about the conclusion of this story. Can you imagine if we just ended it right here on Part 1? We just, yeah, we just didn't have time in the schedule, so we just did Part 1. Right. <laughs> Our apologies to uh, Beyonce Knowles Carter that we didn't have time for this episode. Apologies to Beyonce Rihanna. We ran out of time. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Um, until next time. I mean, we're going to watch it right now, but you're all going to have to wait a week just like they did back in the old days. Suckers. Yes, but that lets you really live the full nostalgic TNG experience. Because I remember having to wait a week just like, ah, damn it. <laughs> that to be continued shows up. Damn it. Um, yeah. Uh, until next week, we'll see you all hopefully not being captured by the Kardashians on a secret missions or the Kardashians. <laughs> Thank I've, you, dozens. Thank you, dozens. Millions. Millions. Dozens of millions. <laughs> there are dozens of us. Dozens. 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 <laughs> all right, have a good one, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share us your own Star Trek story, you can email us at storiedstartrek at gmail.com, or you can visit our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.